Welcome back to the Clutch Factor Sports Show. My name is Joseph Meyer. So glad to be with you again today. We are reacting to week two of the NFL season, going over the biggest storylines and answering the question, how are the Chiefs last in the division? What a weekend it was. Let's get right into it. Another weekend of crazy finishes, big upsets, and some ugly, ugly performances is in the books, so let's get right into it. First off, we're starting with the finest five, as we always do. Five games that stood out to me this weekend. Number one, probably the game of the week, was Rams-Buccaneers. This game represented a changing of the guard as the Rams completely outplayed the defending Super Bowl champs. The Rams took their place as the best team in the league as of now and looked great doing it. I love the energy that the Rams had on Sunday. Sean McVay running up and down the sideline. It was so fun to watch. Now, the Bucs will be fine. This is still a really great team, and their claim to fame is their postseason success. Remember last year they had lost multiple games to teams that were really just not as good as them, um, but it ended up working out in the end. Their secondary got exposed, though, and I expected that, but I didn't anticipate the complete failure of Tampa Bay's rushing attack. They only managed 35 yards of rushing throughout the entire game and looked completely one-dimensional against a Rams defense that continues to impress. We thought maybe they would take a step back this year, but that has not been the case so far. This could be an NFC Championship preview, and I would not complain about that at all. What a game it was. The Rams are finding out that in order for sports teams to garner attention in Los Angeles, they need to be flashy, they need to be fun, and they most importantly need to be successful. This Rams team checks all of those boxes, and I really like what they're doing out in L.A. Number two, Chargers versus Chiefs. The other L.A. team also looked stellar this weekend in a signature win over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Justin Herbert got the best win of his young career as he took down their division rivals in their home stadium at Arrowhead. The Chargers showed how teams need to be the Chiefs. We saw it last week with the Ravens. The Chargers showed it again this week. You cannot take your foot off the gas. You have to go for it on fourth downs. You can't punt. You can't settle for field goals because otherwise Patrick Mahomes is just going to march down the field and beat you. You have to be aggressive. You have to go for it. On that last drive, they went straight for the jugular with a touchdown. There were questions about the clock management near the end of the game, but Coach Brandon Staley was not taking any chances with this Chargers team. The Chargers have missed so many kicks at the end of games, fumbled on the goal line, thrown away games too many times to be conservative, especially against the Chiefs in the last two minutes. So he said, we're not going to wait around. We're not going to give them a chance to beat us. We're going to go score a touchdown and rely on our defense to stop him. Now, the Chiefs are going to be fine. The Chargers got four takeaways, and the Chiefs managed to stay in the game until the end. However, the Chiefs are going to need to play more sound football if they want to overcome the two-game deficit now that they have to the rest of the AFC West. Remember, the Broncos are 3-0, the Raiders are 3-0, and the Chargers are a game ahead with a head-to-head win. I'm betting that the Chiefs can still win this division, but it's not going to be as easy as it has been over the past few years. They have been used to winning division games, getting free division wins. They've won the division for the past five years, and this might be the year that they don't. Now, we have to give props to the Chargers' defense for pressuring Mahomes and forcing him to heave up ill-advised passes and for punching the ball out twice. They were able to minimize the effect of the deep ball, and they kept Tyreek Hill in check for most of the game. Now, they allowed Edwards Alaire to have a good game, but Coach Brandon Staley said, we're going to back off, we're going to put a cover over the defense, we're not going to let them play deep on us, we'll let them run the ball, we'll force them to run the ball, 
we'll make them do something that they're not used to doing, and we're going to beat them that way. And they did. I'm excited for next week because we have Chargers versus Raiders. This is going to be a huge game for both of those teams. I am really excited for it. A great win by the Chargers this week. The Chiefs need to step it up here quickly if they want a chance at the division. Now, number three, Packers versus 49ers. In what I expected to be a statement game for the Packers, the 49ers did not disappoint. I honestly thought the fact that the 49ers were favored was kind of ridiculous, but they proved me wrong and showed me that they can play with anyone. The Packers started the game quickly and with aggression. After the first quarter, it kind of looked like a Packers blowout was imminent, but the Niners responded well, and Jimmy G looked pretty good out there. The offense was rolling in the second half, and they're also using Trey Lance very effectively. They're getting him snaps. They're letting him score, which is going to boost his confidence so that he is ready when the time comes. The 49er defense may be some cause for concern as they allowed Aaron Rodgers to march down the field with ease all night. The last two drives, though, were telling about the style of the game. Jimmy Garoppolo led his team down the field for a clutch touchdown, but they left way too much time on the clock. And Rodgers said, if you're going to give me 30 seconds, I'm going to win this game. Takes it into his own hands, makes two spectacular throws to Devontae Adams, who somehow resurrected after being lit up earlier in the game. And they put Mason Crosby in a position to win the game. I love the emotion we saw from Rodgers after the game. That is something we don't see a lot out of him, especially lately with all the conflict in Green Bay. Rodgers looked like a true leader out there who was excited for his team. I think they're going to go a long way this year, even if he's gone next fall. Now, number four is Vikings versus Seahawks. In most seasons, Vikings fans do not look forward to matchups with the Seahawks. It is nearly always a close, primetime, winnable game, and the Vikings manage to always slip up and let the Seahawks get away with a win. Last year, it was a one-point game, and that kind of summed up the Vikings season. After that loss, they fell to 1-4, and four, and their season kind of came to an end. This year, however, was different. Kirk Cousins looked spectacular. The defense kept Russell Wilson in check. They forced him to make some bad throws. And even without Dalvin Cook, who was injured, they were able to win by 13 points, which honestly was very impressive. This Vikings team is a fumble and a missed kick away from being 3-0, and and I'm glad that they were finally able to get a win under their belt, and it was against a worthy opponent, too. I'm not sure what is going on with the Seahawks lately. Their offense is too talented to be 1-2 and two and last in their division. Granted, it's a good division, but still last in the division. After falling two games behind the Cardinals and Rams, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch them. Those two teams are too good to let them have a two-game advantage on you. Tyler Lockett went out with an injury, but he returned, which is a huge sigh of relief for Seahawks fans. This team is good enough to make a playoff push, but they fell apart against the Titans and another poor performance this week. They need to turn it around quickly. A huge division matchup awaits them this Sunday in San Francisco. Now on the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins is playing extremely well. He's not turning the ball over and he's throwing it all over the field, which is huge for them. The Vikings need to capitalize and build on their momentum from this game. This win against the Seahawks might have saved Mike Zimmer's job for now. They will need to continue to win if he wants to be the coach next year. And finally, we have number five, Dolphins versus Raiders. The Raiders improved to 3-0 after another big overtime win. They have shown that they can perform under pressure, but I'm still a little concerned about the sustainability of being in these close overtime games. They should not have let the Dolphins stay with them that entire game, and I felt like the defense struggled a bit. They let Jacoby Brissett make too many plays. Now, I give them a lot of credit for winning all their games to this point. 
and they now hold a two-game lead over the Chiefs in the division, which is huge, but they need to look more dominant in games against teams like the Dolphins. If they want to be Super Bowl contenders like they think they are, a close overtime win over the Dolphins is really not good enough. Next Monday night, like I said, is going to be a huge game for them as well. They're traveling to L.A. They're taking on the division rival Chargers. Honestly, I think they can cement themselves as a top-five team in the league if they win that game. And for the Dolphins, they need to turn it around quickly if they have hopes of making the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are going to run away with this division, so the wild card is really the only thing in play here. So far, many of the wild card contenders have looked very impressive. The entire AFC West and probably three teams out of the AFC North look like playoff teams, and I think the Dolphins will struggle with all of those teams. Even teams like the Bengals have looked exceptional. So I think the wild card race in the AFC is going to be very clogged. These early season wins are going to be very important when we come down the stretch in January. Now, I think the Dolphins have enough talent to make the playoffs once Tua comes back. But they need to start winning games now if they have any hopes of doing so. Now we'll go into some other storylines from week three. Number one is obviously Justin Tucker. He solidified his place as the best kicker in NFL history, in my opinion, with that 66-yarder on Sunday. With any other kicker, that play call is stupid. It's impossible. But I'm sure that John Harbaugh had no doubt in his mind that Justin Tucker could make that kick. There was a lot of controversy on the broadcast about the play clock and the delay of game, but the TV broadcast is not always lined up correctly, and the official may have been correct based on the clock actually in the stadium. We probably won't know. I was more concerned with the fact that the Ravens were in that position at all, though. They let the Lions play with them the entire game and needed a miracle kick to beat them. The Ravens have Super Bowl aspirations, and so they're going to have to play better than that, especially on offense, and they need to stop the drop touchdowns and the missed opportunities completely. Another storyline is Dan Campbell. I am starting to love the hire of Dan Campbell. He looks like exactly what the Lions need to turn their franchise around. Despite having no talent at wide receiver, a defense with zero expectations coming into the season, a newly formed offensive line, and a mediocre quarterback in Jared Goff, Dan Campbell has his team in a position to win every game so far this year. Although they have lost all three, I'm excited for the future of this team. There hasn't been a fight in this Lions team in probably 15 years, and I think they finally have it. A super tough loss this week, obviously off of a crazy kick, 66 yarders. You can't expect that, and it's obviously very heartbreaking. I think there's a lot of hope for the future if you're a Lions fan. This week was another really tough week for the rookie quarterbacks. Zach Wilson just looked lost out there again against the Broncos. Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions. Justin Fields, man, he got obliterated in his first NFL start. And Mac Jones, who had so far looked the best, threw three interceptions and looked painfully average. I think we honestly got spoiled last year, and we really have our expectations up for rookie quarterbacks. Burrow and Herbert looked incredible last year and continue to look incredible this year. And even Tua, who is arguably not very special, still led his team to 10 wins and almost made the playoffs. We have forgotten how much rookie quarterbacks struggle, especially when they're on bad teams. In the case of Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, it's going to be very, very hard for these guys to look good. I think there's a lot of hope for most of these guys, but at least one of them is going to bust. We know that by NFL history. And at this point, things are not looking great for any of them. I'm most optimistic at the moment, actually, for Trey Lance because he's getting that opportunity to sit. He doesn't have to play right away. He can learn the system. He's getting snaps, and he's looked okay doing so. It is my opinion that Big Ben needs to retire after this year 100%. He looked 
terrible against the Bengals and made the Steelers look really dumb for keeping him around another year. Their offensive line is obviously not helping him at all, but some of these throws he made were just downright awful, and it's really embarrassing to watch if you're a Steelers fan. But the Bengals are feisty. Joe Burrow looked really good this week, and he has somehow been able to stay upright behind an offensive line that is really not good at all. A lot of improvement can be made on that line. But Jamar Chase looks like the real deal, and he is so fun to watch. I love the energy coming from this team. It's a very good time to be a Bengals fan. And lastly, the Cowboys are the real deal. The Cowboys are now arguably a top-10 team with a super close loss to the Super Bowl champs and two very good wins. Dak continues to impress. Ezekiel Elliott finally showed up on Monday, and this defense is very improved. They look a lot faster. They look a lot stronger. Last year, they were getting diced up all over the field. That has not been the case this year. Now, I'll give my top 10 teams as of week three. Coming in at number 10, I have the Chargers. They should be 3-0, in my opinion, with a tough loss to the Cowboys, but they beat the Chiefs and looked very good doing so. Justin Herbert is special, and he continues to impress. Number nine, I have the Cowboys. Two very good wins and a close loss to the Buccaneers. They look like a top 10 team easily. Number eight is the Ravens. I dropped them a little because of that close miracle win, but so far they still have looked very impressive. Number seven is the Raiders. They continue to win. They're 3-0 and they're top of their division. Number six is the Cardinals. They struggled a little bit this week against the Jaguars, but ultimately came out on top. I really like what they're doing in Arizona. Number five is the Packers. A great win for them. They look to be back on track. An easily top five team in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers is special. Number four is the Browns. They continue to grind away and win. Defense looks incredible. Miles Garrett is looking like a defensive player of the year candidate. Four and a half sacks on Sunday against the Bears. And their offense continues to be able to run the ball, throw the ball when necessary. They look really good. Number three, the Buccaneers. They took a tough loss to the Rams, but we know the Buccaneers are going to lose a few games this year. They're still Super Bowl favorites in my opinion. You cannot doubt Tom Brady. And he's going to be ready to come back with intensity for the rest of the season after a tough loss. Number two is the Bills. The last two weeks, they have looked absolutely incredible. They made the Washington defense look like a bottom five unit in the league. Josh Allen goes for five touchdowns. He is returning to his level of play from last year, and they are very fun to watch. A new number one this week for the first time, it's the Rams. They looked special against the Buccaneers. Their defense played well. Their offense played amazing. The deep ball is incredible, and Matthew Stafford is now the front runner for MVP. This is a very good team, and I think they continue to win. They have so much energy. They look like they're having fun out there. Number one team in the league at the moment. And finally, we'll get into the Clutch Factor Players of the Week. These are players that played their best when it mattered the most. For runners-up, we got Mike Williams catching his second touchdown of the game in the final 30 seconds to go up six and beat the Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers for marching his team down the field with only 30 seconds to go with no timeouts and giving Mason Crosby a shot at that 51-yard kick to win the game. And Young Hoku for drilling a 40-yarder to get the Falcons their first win of the NFL season over the Giants. But obviously the clutch factor player of the week is Justin Tucker, not only for making the longest field goal in NFL history, but doing it as the clock expired. What a performance from him. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Clutch Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be back later this week for our NFL Week 4 preview show.